Welcome to the J Crypto Audio Experience. First off, thanks for coming. Second off, I want to congratulate you for investing in the education of blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFTs, decentralized finance, all those terms that when you first hear you go, what the hell does that mean? Blockchain is a technology shift, guys. Once in a lifetime opportunity. This is Malibu beachfront property, $1,000 per the acre. Now, to take advantage of it properly, you got to invest in that education. And that's what you're here for. That's what I'm here for. So let's learn together. All right, Jay Crypto here once again, guys. And this is going to be part two of a part three series where I go into my top three predictions for all of blockchain, all of cryptocurrency. And they're basically predictions that could change over time. So we'll see what happens. However, I feel very, very strong about these predictions. I really do, guys. And let me just explain that in the last in the first prediction, I talk about an, a certain NFT program that's a loyalty rewards program of an entire ecosystem, giving you the ability as an end user in a DeFi ecosystem to earn profits on everything that the ecosystem does. And that leads me into my next prediction. Okay, now this one's out there, but I will say this, when it happens, it will be happening very fast and very frequently. This prediction is blockchain in business at scale. What is blockchain in business at scale? Well, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? It's hard to imagine. First, you might think of blockchain types of technologies be using it, used in business to help the, facilitate the business's processes and all that stuff that some people think is pretty boring, to be honest with you. But that's not what I mean. No, this is far more than that. This is exciting. And I'm going to explain why it's exciting. Because when we look at businesses, we look at a top-down pyramid model in most businesses, where you have a, a person or a group of people at the very top of the pyramid who came up with the business, who invented the business, who worked long hours, and basically all the profits go to them. Then what they do is they have a structure, whether it's a group of people or one person, a CEO, and they have to basically funnel those profits all the way down to the business. So that way the business can stay functioning they can earn profits, they can pay their employees, they can pay their rent, they can pay their taxes if they don't have rent, they can pay all their overhead and still make some profit and reinvest into the business, whatever they want to do, whatever they need to do. So let's take a coffee shop, for example, your local coffee shop. I don't mean, you know, your local Starbucks, though. That's a very interesting concept and it can be applied to this as well. I mean, your very, very local brewery, like local brewery coffee shop that brews its own coffee and it's a sit down place and is a cool place to hang out. And maybe you don't have one of those, but try to imagine that you do. And it's just that one spot in, in your community where it's a mom and shop coffee place. They, 
they make an extraordinary coffee. I know I have one of those spots in my community. And basically, imagine that they are running the business. So they, in the top-down model, basically run maybe a Shopify system to accept payments. They have to pay for all of their materials that go into running the business, uh, cups and beans and machinery and furniture for people to sit down, uh, cleaning, uh, employees, uh, insurances, benefits, all those different things. But the money is being directed essentially to the top. Okay. It's very simple. It just goes right to the top. Now, blockchain changes this forever and it will literally could never be like this again. The reason why is because blockchain fundamentally has designable protocols that will ensure that as soon as a transaction happens, as soon as somebody buys a coffee, all the money funnels into the right places all at once. And this can give us an incredible, like just extraordinarily incredible ability to create new incentives and rewards for the community of the coffee shop. The reason for this? Well, it's actually quite simple. The very transportation of value is a is a, a sensitive topic, I would call it, because money is, you know, I'm not, people say it's the root of all evil. People say that you can't buy happiness. People say you can buy happiness, whatever your belief is. It's a sensitive topic because money is important in our society. In fact, it is one of the things that we are emphasized to attain and we are incentivized to attain. We are incentivized to attain money, to protect our family, to be able to pay for their illnesses, to be able to feed them, to be able to make sure that they're able to live happy lives, to get them into colleges, to get them into school of, of their choice, to, get, to get, uh, get them into sports programs. We're incentivized to make money, to transport ourselves in our vehicles to make sure that we have a vehicle we're incentivized to make money because money is oxygen in our society and without it you are limited you are not free to do whatever you want whenever you want and that's just how our society works currently so money acts in a sense as a reward for creating some sort of value, whether it be through a job or whether you're an entrepreneur or heck, whether you're even somebody doing something illegal and you're rewarded for creating a value or appeared value, whether it's for the good of humanity or for the bad of humanity. And that money allows you to do a lot of different stuff, which creates a life of potential freedom. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you need to chase money because 
part of being free too is being happy and being and doing what you want. And part of doing what you want sometimes is opting out of the higher paying job for potentially the job of your dreams that you really want to do that you love doing. And that's totally cool too. I'm doing that right now. I could be making more money doing what I was doing before. But at the same time, arguably, I couldn't because if I like making videos on crypto and content and whatever, then that's what I'm going to be best at right now. And every day I'm evolving my skills and I have big ambitions, big, big ambitions. So the point I'm trying to make is that from a fundamental level, money is a sensitive, um, I guess, tangible resource. It's sensitive though. It's sensitive when, when you have $10,000 on the line for a transaction. It's a sensitive thing because you know what that money allows you to do. You can buy time with that money by hiring a cleaner. You can buy time with that money by getting somebody to cook for you. You can buy time with money. So the relationship we have with money has always been very sensitive. And because of this, we tend to want to protect it. And because we want to protect it, the you know places we store it are insured and we trust them and those places are called banks and they're insured up to you know $250,000 or whatever it is of money they have to have half of whatever they owe all their customers on hand or whatever the rules are of FDIC and if you're a banker you can probably educate the community and comment below or if you're on the podcast maybe leave a review. I'm not going to pretend that I know every jurisdiction, every rule. The point is, since we're incentivized to attain money, we're disincentivized to lose it, to risk it, because it's very important. Now, the reason why we maybe haven't always looked at business in a decentralized manner before in my opinion, is actually because of this fundamental truth. And we never really had a vehicle to transport value that is sensitive to us since we do not want to lose it, since we do not want it to go to the wrong place, since we do not want to complicate the process of transferring it. And we have been beholden to having a third party, a banking system, an application do the transferring for us of this valuable resource that allows us to do so much and add freedom to our lives. So all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a sudden, blockchain appears and decentralized finance appears and all these tools that we never had before appear. You can do all these cool things through tokenomics that you just couldn't do before. The first time I realized how big this was going to be, how big blockchain businesses, decentralized autonomous organizations, so what they call DAOs, are going to be, 
was using a decentralized financial app. It was very a very simple experience. It reminds me of how some of my older contemporaries talk about when they first heard the computer in the 90s, in the late 90s, and, and it made that sound of cuckoo, kachoo, or whatever. Because um, as a kid, when I used a computer, I mean, it wasn't as long ago as when they did, so they were a little bit more mature. I didn't really have any really progressive or, you know, astounding thoughts about what that meant, what the computer was, because I grew up with it. I just acknowledged it as a basic part of what we have available. Um, The point I'm trying to make is I had one of those astounding thoughts when I used a decentralized app. This app was called Yieldwatch. Maybe you know it. If you go on Yieldwatch, it solves a problem. It solves a problem for a growing industry. A growing industry called yield farming. Okay. Yield farming is when you supply liquidity. In fact, yield farming is a vague term now because there's a bunch of innovations of yield farming that segment it. So I'm just going to give you one example of yield farming because it gets kind of complicated. So there's something called Coinbase, which is a centralized exchange. If you're listening to my channel, chances are you know what that is. There's something called Uniswap, which is a decentralized exchange. And maybe you know of it, maybe you don't. If you don't, my suggestion is to educate yourself on it. It's very important. But a decentralized exchange lives completely on the blockchain. So it's very rogue to something like a Coinbase, which has an actual company, probably an LLC, you know, everything's in place for it to be a corporation. A decentralized exchange works very differently. It functions differently, very differently because it lives on the blockchain. It's decentralized. Anybody can access it. Anybody can trade on it. Yield farming is an occurrence where you have a trading pair. For example, Ethereum and Bitcoin. Yield farming is when you take the two assets, or one example of yield farming, you take the two assets that are being traded and you supply liquidity to a decentralized exchange. Now, when you supply liquidity to a decentralized exchange for a specific trading pair, every time somebody trades from Bitcoin to Ethereum or Ethereum to Bitcoin, the decentralized exchange is going to reward you. And it's going to reward you because every time that somebody trades, a fee is incurred, similar to when you trade on Coinbase, similar to when you trade on something like maybe um, Ameritrade or uh, an older infrastructure. Stash is a newer one. Robinhood is a newer one. Traditional stock markets, they cost you fees, either a subscription fee monthly or maybe a a fee per trade, similar to this example of the decentralized exchange. The biggest difference between Coinbase and something like Uniswap is this yield farming. Because when you yield farm, what you can do is you can be the liquidity provider for the decentralized exchange. You can't do that with Coinbase. You can't do that with Robinhood. You can't take your Tesla stock and supply it to Robinhood and earn passive income off of it. 
No, 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 no. Because Robinhood doesn't give you any stock. They record that you bought some stock, but they don't, you can't transfer that stock. You can, but you don't own it. You can't transfer it into a place that's more custodial than non-custodial. So when you have these liquidity pools, this created a big problem because you had a lot of people earning this passive income, this great passive income from 10 to 20 to 30 to 70 to 90 to 500% APR, variable interest, depending on the volume of people providing liquidity and depending on the volume of trades. The more trades there are, the, the higher the interest, but the the bigger the volume of people providing liquidity, the lower the interest. So you can see that these, these levers pull at each other, creating some sort of balance. So YieldWatch aimed to solve this problem because before you had no way to track your liquidity because as the prices of the underlying assets appreciated and depreciated because they're so volatile, what you ended up seeing was a type of, uh, I guess, byproduct of yield farming that you don't see in normal traditional finance for the end user, the normal consumer, because we just never had the option to supply liquid. And this was called impermanent loss. Impermanent loss is super simple. If the price of Ethereum stays the same and the price of Bitcoin goes up, When you provide liquidity, your liquidity is actually at a 50-50 ratio of tokens. So if the price of one of the assets goes up, what it will actually do is it will decrease the amount of tokens you have for the asset that goes up, and it will increase the amount of tokens that you have for the asset that goes sideways or normal. And you can see that there's about six or seven other options just from that. Because if Ethereum goes down, you could see what happens, how Bitcoin correlates. You could say if if Ethereum goes up and Bitcoin goes down, then you could see what happens because the rule stays the same. So impermanent loss is interesting because even though if Ethereum trades sideways and Bitcoin goes up, you are losing some of your Bitcoin tokens and gaining some Ethereum, you actually are seeing a value increase. The reason for this is because if Ethereum's price stays the same and you get more Ethereum tokens, but Bitcoin's price goes up and you just lose a little bit of your Bitcoin tokens, your your overall liquidity pool will go up about in value, not in tokens, about maybe 50% of what it normally would if it was all Bitcoin. This is due to the fact that Ethereum is staying the same. So since this was such a live time, you know, part of your portfolio, constantly changing and rearranging and more similar to a dynamic version of trading like options or derivatives or something that is a bit more complex than your normal buy a stock and see if it goes up and down you never really had a clear way of seeing how much your portfolio was actually worth. So YieldWatch aimed to solve this problem. Now YieldWatch, I'm not sponsored by, and you know, 
I don't even think I own any anymore, but I was using it at the time. And how it worked was in real time, it would track your liquidity. It would give you your impermanent loss amongst 20 other statistics that were incredibly important for anybody that is serious about yield farming. Like stuff that you just need to know to make smart decisions. Things that you wouldn't even need to know or know to know in traditional finance because the act of providing liquidity, though said so simply, is very complex and has many byproducts, not to mention the passive income you're earning. So even if you're earning, even if your portfolio goes up, you know, $100 because you're earning such a high APR, your impermanent loss could actually subtract some of your token values. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, some people like impermanent loss because it's actually a way to diversify your risk while earning passive income. For example, if you're owning two tokens instead of one, then your portfolio is actually now tied to both of those assets. So even if one tanks, theoretically, you should receive, if the other stays the same, at least half of the value. In this example, I'll use a stable coin like USDC, which is Coinbase's stable coin that will always track $1, fluctuate very minutely, tenths of a cent. Bitcoin goes to zero, the stable coin stays $1, and you deposit $6,000, so 3,000 of each on a 50-50% liquidity pool. Now what happened is, boom, you probably have $3,000. But that's just the name of the game. So this is how Yield Watch worked. And I promise I'm getting to a point here with businesses. This is important for you guys to understand. With Yield Watch, what you have is a decentralized autonomous organization whereby they will privilege people with this unique special metrics and information they will let you use their service but only about five percent of their services are free so if you go on to yield watch and you plug in your public wallet address they will give you enough to be enticed they will show you enough that you say this could be useful however if you were truly serious about yield farming and DeFi, it won't be enough to get you everything you need to make the wisest of your decisions. So they thought of a plan. They said, you know what? We're gonna require a minimum amount of tokens for people to hold. And if they hold that minimum amount of tokens, then they will have access to all of our features. Now this is much different than a subscription model. It's actually a lot better for the end user as well. This allows YieldWatch to make profits on the tokens that they sell or add liquidity in other pools to. As the price will go up with more users, this also allows YieldWatch the ability to give something back to their community, to their users. In fact, it's much more fun to use product, especially one similar to Yield Watch, which in olden days, 
before 2021, we would see more of a subscription model to be able to access. For YieldWatch gives us an asset, a token that we can sell anytime we want, whenever we want to stop using the service, or maybe the token spikes, right? Like it goes up to $10 and currently it's at one, does a 10X. Well, maybe you might say, wow, I had a, I had a lot of yield watch token. Maybe it's time that I actually just sell some. Better yet, maybe you wanna hang up your gloves in the yield farming arena and instead of paying a monthly subscription, owning the yield watch token, you've been able to provide liquidity to liquidity pools or maybe earn some passive income from it, from staking it in various pools with other assets. Maybe you just held it in your wallet and watched it appreciate. Nonetheless, you've gained a great service from all those times that you hodled it during price fluctuations. And maybe if it's worth more than it is now, which seems to be the trend, you just actually made a very wise investment. As you can see, this is groundbreaking stuff. When I first used this app, my mind immediately went back to that coffee shop, that local hotspot, because I realized that NFTs, that tokens are the way of the future, cryptocurrencies. Micro incentives. For example, with the old incentive structure, it tended to be a one and done type of deal. You transact with me, I give you something, and we call it even. Now with tokens, I transact with you, I own an asset, you get the little boost in your tokens, the value of your market cap goes up, you can take out some of your funds. You can, you know, as a business, as a coffee shop. And you can use those to buy more stuff, to buy more inventory and whatnot. And you give me some sort of reward. So I do think this will be more of an NFT type of deal than it would be maybe a, I don't know, normal token type of deal. But who knows, right? I mean, the thoughts are endless. The infinity of this space is remarkable. You could create a token, and this is one that I've, I've thought of a while, and I literally heard uh, a guy who's very big in crypto, Gary Vaynerchuk, say the exact same example, like to the T, which was a coffee shop example. So you could, if you were a company like Starbucks, or if you were that local coffee shop, Maybe you create a $1,000 token, an NFT. And that gives somebody roughly a lifetime's amount of coffee capped off at one a day. So you can get as much coffee as you want. Once a day, you get a free coffee. Any day you want to get a coffee, go to the coffee shop, grab that coffee, boom. So the coffee shop isn't saying every single transaction is going to be on these NFTs because there's a limited supply. There may only be a hundred, but if everybody buys one and a hundred sell out pretty quickly, the coffee shop just made a hundred thousand. 
chances are not everybody's going to be buying a copy every single day. Okay. Number two, all of a sudden, we see an environment where every time one of those NFTs is sold, there's actually, if you don't know about this, it's really, it's really what ties this all together. Every time an NFT is sold, in case you guys don't know, since we're on the blockchain and we can code in reward and benefits, every time a coffee shop creates their own NFT and that NFT is sold, so let's say Larry buys it first and he sells it to Joanne and Joanne sells it. When Larry sells it to Joanne, the coffee shop re- receives 10% of whatever the value is of what it's sold for. So if it's sold for $5,000 to Joanne because Joanne really likes that coffee shop, then the coffee shop will receive an extra $500, which is almost half of their initial investment of $1,000 that they were selling it for. So they're going to receive a 10% fee, but as that token appreciates, as the coffee shop does better and better, now they're making a passive income on the trading of these NFTs. You're going to have people from other marketplaces that don't even know the coffee shop arbitraging on these NFTs. Meaning somebody sees, oh, okay, this guy's selling for 2,000 and one sold two months ago for 5,000. I'm going to buy this up and hold. Boom. Then they'll sell it again. You know who's really benefiting from this? The coffee shop. But for the true coffee lover of this place, I mean, $1,000 for an NFT can go by pretty quick. Think of how much coffee you get a year. If you just get one cup a year, or I mean one cup a day, excuse me. If you get one cup a day, and let's say each cup is around five bucks, okay? Well, that means that if 250 days go by and you get a cup every day, you just spent roughly $1,250. Think about that. So a lifetime free cup of coffee after 250 days, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Not to mention, not everybody is going to actually be, you know, using these NFTs every single day. So the coffee shop will actually be rewarded and the true coffee lovers will be rewarded of the coffee shop. Do you guys see what I'm saying? So this actually allows the coffee shop to continually make a stream of income by creating these NFTs. And if we take it a step further, now we're going down the rabbit hole. The actual coffee shop could also technically create their own token and only people with their token would be allowed to actually enter the coffee shop and buy coffee. Now you could also take it a step further and say anybody with a thousand of their tokens could get a coffee for free. Anybody with 5,000 of their tokens could get up to two coffees of theirs for free. And maybe a snack. Anyone with 10,000 of their tokens could get six coffees 
three snacks a day. Now, if their tokens cost, you know, three or four bucks, then you could see the potential of this. Here's the cool part about this. There's a decentralized exchange called BDEX, which is something I covered in my last podcast where I was talking about B-Power. And this is where I think DEXs are going and why I like the BEARN ecosystem. If you create your own tokens and launch them on the BDEX platform, you incur 20% of all the fees generated in perpetuity from any trading of your normal tokens. These aren't NFTs. These are fungible tokens. So that means that the coffee shop could also be generating some income from the sale of their tokens. Because every time somebody buys and sells tokens, they're creating a little bit of income for themselves. Okay. Now, here's the very interesting part. This would be a true free market because you don't have to go to the coffee shop to buy their tokens. And this actually makes everything a market. You could create a market out of soccer goals. You could create a market out of a tennis store. You could create a market out of your local um, deli or a supermarket, right? An NFT that allows you to get free groceries, maybe cost $50,000. Think of what an investment that would be. Think about the investment maybe capped off at like $300 a day, right? Or like $200 a day, something, something reasonable, but a free amount of groceries every single day. Because whenever those trade, whenever those NFTs trade, the company's making money. Whenever their tokens trade, the, the company's making money. Now think about this. You walk into a coffee shop and they say, hey, you know what, to buy a coffee, you got to actually invest $500 into the store and you get to keep your tokens in your wallet, but you also get a free coffee every day. Now, if you get 10,000, boom, you get the asset and you have to get, you know, 20 and you get, I don't know, like five coffees every day. All of a sudden you're invested in the places that you're shopping, the restaurants you're going to, you own a piece of everything in your life that you use. Okay. Now here's the fun, fun part. You know how I mentioned money earlier and our resistance to, you know, taking control of it because it's such a sacred thing or incentivizing our communities. Imagine if there was also an NFT, like the NFT I mentioned in part one of this coffee shop that you could buy. And there's different tiers. One tier you had to, maybe maybe one tier you had to lock up one of their free coffee NFTs and you also had to buy, I don't know, like $50,000 worth of their token and then lock it up. So you're not selling the tokens, you're locking it up. And in exchange, you get an NFT that if you stake on the coffee's you know, decentralized DAO network, the coffee shop's decentralized network, you're able to, this is really cool. Earn a percentage of all the commissions from their NFTs and all of the fees 
from the token sales. So now the consumer can buy into the business and stake those coins for an allotted time. The coffee shop can use those tokens that are staked or locked up, or they could just not touch them and let and sell a portion of theirs that they've accumulated because they're constantly accumulating their own tokens from every single fee, every single transaction, every single commission. So the value just went up because the market cap just went up. And sure, people are arbitraging, but at the same time, it's like a very diverse situation. It's a way for the coffee shop to now have the community own the coffee shop. And what if those NFTs got to vote on the business? What if those NFTs, NFT holders, the ones that make the passive income from the coffee shop's returns on commissions and token sales and all those things I mentioned, what if they got to vote? What if they also got to, you know, come up with proposals and different menu items or, hey, should we, should we create another location? Should we be depositing funds for an initial investment in the next coffee shop? This turns macro private investing that is only available to the few to the local level. And you can make different tiers of these, um, you know, income producing NFTs, if you will, that are tied to the coffee shop's performance. So that way people on the ground floor can still get a piece of it by locking up their tokens and earning a little piece of the action. This is going to infinitize our current economic system and make the consumers and the business owners on the same side. Where you shop, you'll not mind paying a little extra for their higher prices because you know that you're getting a little piece of the action. You won't mind them. You'll, you'll want them to improve as a consumer for because you're using the store to eat and drink and do all those things as well. But you'll also think about their financial interest. So the consumers all of a sudden and the business owners for the first time in really history have a chance to be on the same page. And there's always that one place that you really love and you want them to succeed and grow. But imagine what that would feel like if you were also gaining from their success. And imagine what that would feel like if you had the support of your community that wanted you as a business owner to succeed for their financial interest and yours as well. This really ties us together as people. And because blockchain, we can transact so easily and safely, it makes us able to finally do it. So my prediction is that this will start to be implemented in applications and softwares. You're going to start to see places say, you know what, you got to use our tokenomics. Maybe at first you can also buy with fiat, but you at least have to have a crypto wallet. But eventually you're going to know that you're going to need the tokens of a place to go there. And it's going to save you a lot of money because you're only going to need to make that initial investment and companies will be able to profit in a passive income way to fuel their business from every single transaction, every single NFT sale. 
and you'll be able to stake those governance tokens of these coffee shops. You're going to be able to stake these NFTs to places either like Super Farm or Pancake Swap, and you can earn that and you can earn passive income on those on those tokens, even if you don't don't hold, even if you don't use them, even if you don't go to the coffee shop for a week. Say that you go away for a month. Imagine being able to stake those tokens and earn a little bit of passive income. And then once you come back, you unstake them so that way you can get your free copies and you watch them appreciate. Now, there's a lot of nuances to this. This is big stuff. I'm sure you can imagine listening and hearing me say these things. That this is so big that and so disruptive that a lot of companies are probably going to be going out of business that act as some sort of middle layer some sort of solution between these things and there's going to be a lot of jobs available because a lot of infrastructures will be built on top of this new network and new platform however you are doing yourself a huge service by just listening to this podcast listening to this random dude jay crypto and hearing some of these thoughts and i think it will be good for society however i encourage everybody to do their own research and not to be naive to the fact that if a technology can be good, it can also be bad. So it is our job in my mind to be responsible and intelligent about our decisions in guiding this technology to its maturity. I am not naive to think that one of us has control over the entirety, but I do think collectively we are shaping the narrative each and every day. So... I wouldn't be scared of crypto. I wouldn't be scared of blockchain, but I would recommend that you be aware of it because it's going to happen. And as I always say, evolutions in tech happen faster and faster every single decade. Blockchain will happen faster than technologies from the web or, or disruptions from apps like Uber. It's going to happen quicker and quicker, guys. So that being said, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. This is Jay Crypto. And in part three, we're going to be going over back to the big daddy of all cryptocurrencies. And that, my friends, is going to be some talking about BTC, Bitcoin. I got some predictions for Bitcoin. I got some general macro crypto predictions on some of your favorite cryptos. Now, I'm not going to get into price predictions. I'm going to get into more thought-provoking predictions on store of value cryptos, blockchain crypto, smart contract platform. Um, I mean, cryptos, um, decentralized apps, the state of everything, which ones are kind of, you know, set in, set in stone for at least the near future, which ones are kind of maybe still just one grain of many in a sea of grains, if you will, that could be easily outcompeted for and try to help you understand that stuff. Without further ado, this is Jay Crypto. I appreciate you. I know that I do a few sponsors here and there, guys. It's I make like one cent every single sponsor. But um, the real deal is like, I, I really appreciate you guys hearing that. And I know it's the anchor sponsor right now. I'm sure in the future, I'll have some more crypto related sponsors. That's the goal is to get some some crypto crypto things that can really help you guys out on board but i do believe anchor is great it's allowed me to have a podcast this isn't actually a sponsor right now i'm doing like a free sponsor for them (laughs) 
Um, all right, that's enough free sponsors for you, Anchor. But um, thank you guys for tuning in. Take care.